0: Hello and welcome to the Still to be Determined podcast. This is the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. If you're looking at this video, you probably know already I'm not Matt Farrell. I'm Matt Farrell (laughs) with a fake beard. I'm Sean Farrell. I'm Matt's older brother and I'll be asking him the questions. He'll be going through the answers. Matt, say hi. Hello before we get into the episode just some reminders we have different ways you can support the podcast you can of course keep doing what you're doing right now keep listening or watching you can also go to stilltbd.fm there's a link on that page you can throw some coins in the jar before we get into the newest episode i just wanted to share some comments on our last episode this was full of empty our uplifting airship chat oh clever puns can't stop us <laughs> from doing them we're making our mother <laughs> proud even while we're embarrassing ourselves. (laughs) Sunspot 42 (laughs) had this to say about that episode in which we were talking about the potential reemergence of airships in possibly including human transport, but largely for cargo transport. And there are of course all the safety concerns about hydrogen and sunspot wrote, what about a large envelope of helium? With a somewhat smaller envelope of hydrogen inside. If there was a leak, hydrogen won't react with helium and could it be and it could be detected and the vehicle could land and evacuate before having a chance to combust. And I think Sunspot has a future in airship design. That sounds like a pretty <laughs> yeah. interesting balance between the combustibility of hydrogen and
1: the limited resources around helium. Yeah, creating the redundancies to make sure that things stay in check. It's pretty clever. Yep.
0: I also asked the question in that video, what would you want to do aboard an airship if you were doing human transport? And if you were able to do it, what is your price point? We had some interesting (laughs) comments a wide range of responses like this from Sinisa Vlovic who said, I think it depends on the activities, but let's say it's activities like casino drinks, food. My price point of just traveling would be like 50 euros per day of flight. So he's looking for kind of a bargain basement deal. Meanwhile, yeah. Farfetch Tagmo wrote, I think, three times a moderately upscale hotel, maybe 300 to 500 a day, a premium in that range. And I thought what's interesting about that is moderate moderately upscale hotel with a price point of $300 to $500 a day <laughs>
1: depends on that where you are,
0: Farfetch'd. <laughs> That's, yeah. uh, I live in New York City, $300 a day gets you an economy hotel
1: yeah What well, what's
0: what's your, what's your price what would you pay what would i pay uh if price was no problem for me like i had the ability to shell out i think i'd be in the range of jared marsh who wrote the price point i could see would be a thousand dollars a day and that would be like the new cruise ship so i think if i right. had that kind of expendable income and was going somewhere where it I wanted it to be a leisurely, maybe three-day journey from New York to Chicago. I could see shelling out some major coin. I think $1,000 a day sounds like about what it would be. Yeah. So on to today's episode. And today we're going to be talking about Matt's most recent episode, which is exploring off-grid Earthship homes. Are they the ultimate efficiency? Question mark. The return of the question mark. (laughs) It's back. (laughs) It's back. And it's better than ever? (laughs) This episode dropped on August 31st, 2021 and you're talking about homes which are built partially into the earth using repurposed materials and built to be entirely off grid. So they are using geothermal solar heating repurposing of water, repurposing of building materials, the one that was most commonly used in your video and the one you talked about the most were use of tires to build Mm -hmm. uh, effectively the brick layer of the home is made out of tires that are filled with soil and ultimately this seems like one of those ideas that is. Clearly, a very, very good idea that would take, as one of your viewers said in the comments, would take youth, would take energy, would take resources, and a true commitment. This even includes internally um, contained gardens so that you're growing food, you're repurposing wash water that's called gray water so that your soil for the Agriculture is hydrated. Human waste is going into septic tanks that are then going, leaching into the soil for. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) This is adding nutrients to the soil. You're largely going to be using solar and wind turbine to generate electricity for those things that require it. But this really, this is kind of
1: like sci-fi living. This is, it's, it's, this is like, there's something, there's a trend called homesteading where you basically are kind of going out on your own and you're creating your homestead and you're self-sufficient. That's what this is. And mm-hmm. there's a mindset that you have to be in to be able to not just want to do that, but think that you can do it because it's hard. I mean, you're mm-hmm. on your own and you're having to get all your resources in line and live one with nature and the recycling of all of everything. I am not in that camp. So <laughs> like, there's, I'm never going to do this but there are so many things that they do that are so clever and cool. And just like, why aren't we just doing that all over like rainwater harvesting? Why are we not doing that everywhere? It's like, it just makes so much sense, but to do it the way it's meant to be done, I can speak for you as well. You're not the kind of person that would ever want to do this.
0: I'm not the kind of person who (laughs) I don't even want to move. (laughs) Yeah. When it, when push comes to shove, it doesn't matter how uncomfortable I am. I'm usually the one who's just like,
1: I can make it work. So, <laughs> sitting overheated on a couch, I can yeah. get up and open that window. But I'm really comfortable right now. I'm not gonna get up and do that. I literally last night was sitting on my sofa watching
0: television and thought, "Gosh, I wish the fan was on." <laughs> the fan never got turned on. There were some comments that I thought were pretty on the mark as far as taking a. a deeper look at this material this one from dave dugdale who said that design might need a strong radon mitigation system yeah what kind of of research did you see that showed radon levels if you're effectively starting to live underground
1: well it's it's true for all homes it doesn't matter if it's earthship or not it's like when you start digging into the ground depending on where you live radon can just be a problem so radon detection systems like when you buy a home you typically get it tested for radon to make to see what the levels are and the fact that these are homes that like i said our people are homesteading doing it themselves are they doing the proper <laughs> mitigation strategies for radon putting you know testing equipment in to make sure that they're not uh, putting themselves at risk uh yeah it's it, the more you dig into the earth like that the more chances of radon buildup there is so yes
0: for me, one of the things that popped out as I was watching the video was this kind of living would require a larger land footprint, wouldn't it?
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. You need a lot of space.
0: You'd be talking about acres of land as opposed to a, yes. uh, what would be considered an average size lot in the U S
1: yeah. The, the, the center of where the earth ships are out like, uh, the, the community that's built out in Arizona, uh, the acreage is huge but the number of houses on that acreage was actually kind of low for that exact reason it's like here's two to three acres for your homestead yeah i noticed
0: that that i think it broke down to if my math that i didn't do with pencil and paper i just did it quickly in my head it sounded very much like it would be about four acres per yep and that's a that's a good sized piece of land and these houses look big the if you think in terms of the walls, the exterior walls being made out of tires that as soon as you're trying to construct a room of livable size, your exterior walls are going to be enormous as a result of that depth of, of the building material. Feet thick. Yes. Several (laughs) feet thick. Yes. Yes. There was also this thought went through my head, this kind of living, there was recently on the east coast, uh, starting Louisiana and moving up was the hurricane that just passed through the U S and I just read an article in the New York times today, which pointed out one of the things that has been learned from this storm is largely how unprepared the U S is for large changes to, uh, weather environment impact. And there was also a separate article I saw somewhere else, which talked about, we are on the verge because of these storms. We are seeing various parts of the country and this is a global issue, but I'm talking about the U S context simply because it's the one i know the best and it's the one that um i just lived through this hurricane and had some direct involvement with it myself with some flooding in in my home um these changes to the environment the shift in livability in certain areas is in fact in some communities just removing the ability to live in some some places there's a yeah. town in north carolina that 20 years ago was many thousand people in population. It's now down to 500 people relocate after storms. They never go back. Some people and some townships actually unincorporate because they can't sustain themselves and the expense of trying to help a community stay as a community can't, isn't viable. (coughs) The kind of living that this home portrays is one which is exactly the opposite direction. It is saying like you said homesteading Mm -hmm. you're putting it a place you're rooting into a place and you are deciding to live in a way that would have no ability for travel or migration. So I guess my my question to you would be you talked about the viability of different regions as far as. Like, oh, what's, you know, the difficulty of building this in the Northeast, but beyond just contemporary livability and buildability in those regions, Mm -hmm. what regions and pockets of the country do you see as being, oh, you shouldn't even try that there because of not only difficulty in building there now, but the reality of what
1: might be coming 20 years down the road. I, that's a good question. I think it's not necessarily a region. It's just things are shifting. So I used the, um, that YouTuber, uh, the handyman who built it's on a, it's on an earth ship, but he built in Arizona and built a rainwater harvesting, um, system out that is able to collect in a matter of a few weeks, he gets enough water to carry him for the entire year that's based on today's weather patterns and how the much rain is dropped in Arizona in during a rainy season. And then it's dry the rest of the year right. as things shift, that could become problematic 10 years from now. What if the way weather patterns and the climate shifts suddenly it's not three to four weeks of rain. It's one week of rain and he's only getting half of what he needs. Right. So I don't think it's a, a necessarily earth ships are going to have a problem up in Canada because of the way things are shifting. I think it's no matter where you build any kind of system that is totally reliant on the current climate conditions of that region today, it's gonna be shifting. So you have to build it with the plan ahead of like, what is the trend of uh, rain in this area and how should Mm -hmm. I prepare my house that I'm building today for that, that future where there's gonna be less rain. Or if I'm building it in like (laughs) new England or New York, it's gonna probably get Wetter here, <laughs> right. so it's like, so it's like you have to take that into account. So it's, it's, I think you just have to look at it for planning ahead. Where a lot of these places that have already been built, I don't know if they've done that. Once again, this is all a very DIY thing for for most people. So it, it really raises the question of like, did they do proper engineering, proper planning? Did they size things appropriately? Can they expand different systems based on how things start to evolve and change, or are they going to get kind of screwed in the long run? Cause they didn't plan properly.
0: And there's also again, to refer back to the kind of sci-fi aspect of it. A lot of this seems like, okay, you know, interesting concepts, homesteading in the 21st century, like that kind of living. I could see, I can see the appeal to it. And somebody in your comments mentioned that they had done some pet sitting in a home like this and they thought Mm -hmm. it was absolutely stunningly beautiful and that they think back to that house and, and wish that they could live in that kind of environment again, about how kind of grounded they felt. And it's a very interesting, like the psychological impact of living like this. I could see a lot of positives Mm -hmm. to that. I couldn't help but think for the sci-fi aspect, a lot of these lessons that might be learned in, and you mentioned aboard, like the international space station, gray water use is done in this way. I kept thinking Mm -hmm. of like other planetary colonization, the idea of being able to take some of these concepts and the first time people land on Mars, those people potentially might not be coming back. So Mm -hmm. this kind of homesteading might be the
1: future of oddly
0: enough space travel.
1: Yeah. This is also like go back a couple hundred years and this was kind of the norm. It's like, especially here in the United States, as people were moving out West, you had to be on your own. You had to figure things out on your own. And in recent memory, it's like, it's, everything's been disaggregated. So it's kind of like, I don't know if that's the right word for this, but like, it's, it's, we don't know where our energy comes from. There's a power plant somewhere off hundred miles away. That's producing all the energy that makes my lights turn on. And I don't have to worry about water because it just comes out the tap when I turn it on. And my, my human waste just gets flushed away and I don't have to think about it where when you're living in a style like this or you're going to Mars or on the space station, it's like you have to think about the ecosystem of how everything interrelates and how you can reuse everything because you have to get every last resource out of everything you do because you aren't sure you're going to have enough or be able to produce enough. It's a very different way of thinking, which is going to, as we start to expand out from our planet, we're going to have to get back into that line of thinking, (laughs) especially for the people who volunteer to go to Mars. That's even taking, like, I would never do a homestead because like I would never have the energy. The willingness to go to a different planet is like a whole nother level from that. That's just, I I can't imagine the people that are going to volunteer for that.
0: Some of the other viewer comments that stuck out to me included this one, which was a little bit of a corrective, but I think it's a good one to point out. Matthew Bird wrote, the tires are not packed with soil as soil contains organic material that rots. They're compacted with subsoil which is inorganic and never rots or shrinks. And that's a good tip to throw out there in case anybody's already collected a bunch of tires and they're trying to build a new wall. (laughs) Don't use
1: topsoil. Somebody also pointed out that I, I didn't mention all the different things you can do, but there's also called tire bales where instead of filling them with dirt, you just take and compact a whole bunch of tires into basically a tire brick. So there is no earth in it. It's just this densely packed tire brick that then you just like stack up. Um, which is another way you can do it where you can avoid the whole having to fill earth and everything, but it's, it brings a whole bunch of other problems with it that you have to take account for. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of my patrons pointed out a TV show called Homestead Rescue. I can't remember what channel it's on, but I, I found it on YouTube and watched the episode. It was season six, episode three. It was a two parter of an Earthship home that a family had built and everything went wrong. And so if you, if you want to watch why Earthships for a very special group of people, watch the, those two episodes because it really shows the challenges that you're going to have building one of these things because everything they could have done, done wrong, they did wrong. And it was... So they, they brought in a bunch had, of
0: experts who looked at uh, things like yes. how they did the water...
1: This family helps people on people who are trying to build homesteads, this family that the hosts of the show, they come in and look at what you're doing wrong and they fix it all to try to make it actually sustainable for you so you can actually live there. And they came in and fixed all the issues that this homestead was having to make it actually livable. And when you look at what it was like when they showed up, it was it should have been condemned. (laughs) They should not have been living there. And the family was talking about how they had to get special for where they built. It was in Ohio. They had to get special permission from the EPA to build this house because it's so not standard and the EPA said, yes, you can do this, but you cannot abandon it because if you abandon it, you will get major fines because it will be considered a hazardous dump because of all the tires and all the stuff they were using. Right. It's improper disposal of all those things. So they basically said to him, you can do this but if you leave and just abandon it, cause it doesn't you're work married to
0: it now. Yeah.
1: You're married to it. And so like they had to fix it or they were going to lose their entire life savings. So they had poured everything into it. So it's like, there are significant challenges doing Earthships, and that those two episodes are very eye-opening for me watching them.
0: That merges really well with the next comment I wanted to point out, which is from Asanoan Raylan, who I apologize to if I've slaughtered your mm-hmm. name, that's never my goal. And Asanoon writes, Excellent video. I'm a student of the Earthship Biotexture Academy in Taos, New Mexico. It's my hope to one day soon to bring this technology to the Ivory Coast. I'm saying the Ivory Coast instead of the French pronunciation, which again, Asunan, out of respect, I do not want to slaughter it. I know how <laughs> to say it. I took four years of French in high school, but. And he continues I'm told that there's a family group trying to grant me land to begin this important project. And I think that that's a very interesting comment because there are parts of the world where even though there are the difficulties that you point out this kind of living, this kind of architecture, engineering and livability could really be a solution for some people who live in locations that might be so remote that any Mm -hmm. kind of deeper infrastructure around electrical water, um, the challenges there might be more insurmountable than figuring out how to safely build this kind of home. So I think that's a really neat, uh, translation of this design concept from, I want to get away from this kind of living and go live closer to the land and translating that to we don't really necessarily have that infrastructure already in place and we need some way to make things more livable for certain communities that are in locations where we can't build that infrastructure. So
1: it's a, it's a great change in perspective.
0: Yeah. And it's a, my hope would be that the kind of, of, uh, learning that is going on at a place like a biotexture academy in Taos, New Mexico is going to be teaching all of the concepts that you're talking about yes from that they do. failed experiment like
1: no not this is a family in ohio soil. that kind of went yeah it's a family in ohio that kind of did their own thing where if you're kind of dealing with the biotexture firm and they're helping you you're going to avoid a lot of the issues that family probably ran right. into
0: i'm also reminded of a previous video that you did which was about repurposed materials in a brick like was it a kind of foam or almost a concrete, like a slurry is made out of repurposed materials?
1: I, you have have, that there was, there
0: was, I thought it was something that you had talked about. It might've been a different uh, channel. I'm sorry, Matt, to break it to you. I sometimes watch other channels about <laughs> stuff like this, but there is <laughs> a emerging technology around using repurposed materials that are effectively shredded and then mixed into a compound to create large bricks that effectively look like cinder blocks. So they've got that figure eight shape and then structures are built where a frame is laid on the ground and there are vertical poles that those bricks then slide down. And it looks very much like building a Lego house. You're putting the bricks down on these poles using the holes built into the bricks. And the bricks look a little bit like, uh, a multicolored it's, it's literally shredded materials like old cans and wood and just everything gets put into a shredder. And then that becomes the packed material inside a concrete casing that then is used to build. And it seems like that would be another material that could, if you didn't have the tire access or didn't want the problems that might come with tires. And I, I think one of the biggest issues would be you mentioned the gas offput and the smell that would yeah. come with that. Um on the flip side, one of the things that stood out to me as being an extremely attractive aspect of this are the interior walls made with recycled bottles and jars. Yeah. Those glass walls look insanely gorgeous. It seems they'd like be beautiful. Be, yeah, it'd be a beautiful thing to live with. There was also this comment from Michigan engineer who wrote some of the Earthship elements that could be added into a new home would be the super insulation, possibly by being partially underground, gaining even some heating and cooling passively due to orientation would be a help in many instances, as well as solar and or wind power for even some electrical needs. Gray water recycling definitely makes sense. It wouldn't surprise me if this comment was describing your thinking in going mm-hmm. into your building of your new home.
1: Yeah, th- this is the stuff I'm talking about. The orientation of the house on the on the land. What windows are facing what direction so that you can try to control the sun that's entering your house, uh the, the using geothermal in some fashion, collecting rainwater, gray water. Those kind of things seem very easy to integrate into kind of standard building practices and you get huge benefits from doing that. So it's like it seems like the perfect kind of like marriage between taking some of the most interesting elements of an earth ship and trying to pull it into more modern building practices. So instead of going fully on homestead route, how can we modify mass manufacturing of homes to make them more efficient and take some of the learnings and really kind of benefit from both.
0: And that takes me into the final comment I wanted to share which is from the Jossaman who wrote I wish in the future we will see a lot more systems managing toilet water locally turning it into usable fertilizer basically mini water treatment plants secondary water systems reusing gray water for toilet flushing mostly highly automated indoor gardens geothermal heating and energy and more undecided with Matt Farrell videos so. <laughs> thank you <laughs> And with that positive note and to the listeners, this question, share your responses in the comments or reach out through the contact information. What would hold back this kind of design in your part of the world? What do you have in your region? I'm interested in finding out. Uh, We talk about all this stuff, obviously from a US context, Matt and I can't transplant our brains into other parts of the world, but you, the listeners, we are finding more and more, uh, we've got a global audience here. So share with us what in your neck of the woods would be the biggest problem. Is there something that would keep you from being able to dig into the ground to be able to put a house partially underground, or is there something about the amount of sunlight? Let us know. You can tell us what you think about this. You can reach out through the contact info in the podcast description you can also just scroll down if you're on YouTube to the comment section below. I know you'll miss our smiling faces, but I promise we'll be back next week. Please do subscribe wherever you're listening. That's through any podcast provider or right here on YouTube. And you have multiple ways you can directly support the podcast. You can visit still and you'll see the support the podcast link. And you can also just support us directly here on YouTube. We are going to be offering more opportunities for that. So stay tuned. Please be sure to give us a rating, a review and share us with your friends. All of that really does help the podcast. The podcast helps the channel, the channel helps Matthew. And then Matthew avoids the most obvious pun available in his most recent episode, which was this kind of home really makes you tired. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening, everybody. We'll talk to you next time.